I'm wearing my t-shirt today because uh, I was hot this morning, but uh, no, actually I wore this because uh, this is a few years ago we had a Sunday, something like this, where we reminded ourselves the reason we're doing all that we're doing. And we echoed the words of David when he saw Goliath and he said, is there not a cause? I know that's one big giant, but we've got a cause ahead of us. And so I'm reminding us all this morning, we have a cause. I will build my church, Jesus said. There was a hundred-year-old church member. This centenarian was having his birthday celebration at the very church that he had faithfully attended since he had been a young man, a hundred years old. At his birthday celebration, everybody had come together, and there was ice cream, and cake, and they'd given him cards and met in the fellowship hall. Afterwards, the family and the friends, uh, now over a hundred people, had gathered together, and he was invited, they were all invited to come to the auditorium. There in the auditorium, his great-grandson stood up behind the pulpit and called his granddad great-granddad to come up to the pulpit. And here's the words that he said, and I read this story and I thought, man, that is only a man of a hundred years old could come together with such wisdom. The young man said to his great-grandpa, he said, great-grandpa, we know, frankly, you can barely hear now, and you hardly can see anything why do you still go to church every Sunday? And here this 100-year-old faithful Christian answered, because I love Jesus with all my heart, and he commanded us to be faithful. And he said, honestly, I just want to show the devil whose side I'm on. <laughs> I love it. You know, I may not be able to do a whole lot or participate much, but I want to tell you one thing. I don't want the devil to ever think he's got me. Let's read Matthew 16 and verse 18 together, if you would, please. Ready, begin. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's an obvious play on words here. God has uh, got uh, that which is very visible, big fat nuggets just on the top of the ground that we can pick up. But there are often uh, amazing truths that are in the ground that we have to mine them out, like this, things that are hidden in the text, like all of the repetitions and numbers, and there's so many things in Scripture that are there for the initiated. Peter's name in the Greek language, Petros, means little stone. Here, God was saying, Peter is a stone that is essential for the building of the church, but he's not the rock. Despite what the Roman church might say, Jesus, or Peter rather, is not the first pope, nor is he the foundation of the church. 
Or like our friends down the street here say that God gave Peter the gospel. And there's a special formula you have to go by. No, the fact is, Peter was a little Christ. He was a Petras. That's why we're called Christians or little Christ. We are a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, you could say we're just a chip off of the old rock. That rock, the foundation. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, if he loved it, we should too. Let's have a brief word of prayer here, and we're going to have a little shortened message time, and then we're going to go across over there and have a wonderful rally, and we even got some little snacks for you. So this is a great Sunday, amen? All right, let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this Sunday, for this time to remind ourselves of the great uh, truth that, and the great uh, thing that you gave us, the institution, the organism the organization known as the church. Bring our hearts together. Unite us in vision in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus loves his church. He bought the church. He is building the church. He owns the church. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1, he holds the church. And under the angel of the church of Ephesus, I must remind you, that the angel or the star are the pastors, just in case you want to know. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Jesus went on to say in this passage that if a candlestick, the church, the light bearers are not doing their job, he removes that candlestick. He brought us into the world, and He has got us here so that we can make a difference. Recently, I was driving down the road, and I saw a big sign. They, uh, it was just a, uh, a sign that they had put up on the church, but I thought how real poignant it really is. On that church was the sign that said, church for sale, an empty parking lot, weeds overgrown, and the words church for sale. I thought how sad really that word is. First of all, sad that a church basically has to go out of business. But second of all, the words themselves seem to be so much what I see in the modern church today, church for sale. Sometimes we sell out to the whims and the theological whims of the day. Other times we sell out to sin. Sometimes we just sell out to lethargy, where we just simply don't do our job. We just say, I'm busy. I've got things I want to do. How sad when a church sells out. You know, this particular 12-acre parcel is one of the most uh, sought-after pieces in the entire county. It's an amazing spot between two metropolitan areas and uh, Some have wondered, well, is for sale? I will tell you, it is not for sale because what is going on here is worth far more than any building or anything else we could do. Jesus is a builder, and others want to build, others want to sell. Let's be builders with Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this. It says, ye also are 
lively, the King James, or living stones. Sometimes I feel like an old stone, <laughs> got a pretty hard head. But uh, God says, you are living stones built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. That's Jesus, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or ever ashamed. I'll tell you one thing, you'll never be ashamed or sorry you put your trust in the cornerstone. But notice what he said. He said, we are the stones and he is the builder. That promise has been a great comfort to me that Jesus builds the church. Because sometimes you have the idea that, man, I've got I've to be busy because if, I don't, uh, if I'm not building the church, it's not going to grow. Now, as I'll say in a few moments, we certainly have a responsibility. But I will tell you, it is more the responsibility of the Savior to build the church. In fact, actually, we just need to make sure we don't get in His way. Because he's looking for stones. But where's, where's that stone? Oh, the stone is out at the beach, sunning itself. Can't build the church today because the, that stone's over at the beach, sunning itself on Sunday. Oh, what happened to that stone? Oh, it's out in the, up in the mountains fishing. Can't put it in the wall because it's not within his reach. What happened to this stone? Oh, it's just laying in bed, sleeping. Where's the stones? He's trying to build the church. What happened to all the stones? The living stones. Jesus wants to build the church, and he wants to use us as living stones. This morning, I feel like God has given me a word. And honestly, it was, uh, had a little different direction this morning, and yet the Holy Spirit uh, prompted me even last night. And so I did what I very rarely do and said, all right, you're going to have to give it to me. And I was glad this morning that the Holy Holy Spirit gave me a promise out of Psalm 37 that he would fill the mouth of the righteous with wisdom. And I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And so I claim wisdom this morning. And here's the wise word I want to give you, and that is this. As a living stone, as part of the church that Jesus is building... I want to ask each of us in this coming year, and really for the next two years especially, as we were looking at getting into this new building here, I want to ask us to do and to take our personal responsibility for the success of the church. I am convinced that this church will go no higher than each individual stone. I will tell you, you might be able to miss one stone out of a wall, But you get very many stones, and that wall is just going to be, it's going to disintegrate. It's going to fall down. We must claim higher ground. We must push forward, or we're going to go backward. God says, I want you to fish for men. Be a fisher of men. Too often churches just become a keeper of the aquarium, not a fisher of men. We can't just stay at status quo. I will build my church. He's a builder, but we have to get out of God's way. And if we'll do so, God will bring forth amazing results. It has been said that if we will work as if everything depended on us and pray as if everything depended upon God, 
then great things get done. And I really believe that because God wants us to do our part to make sure our own personal responsibility. In the New Testament, Peter was called a pillar of the church. I read a cute little statement the other day. It said church members are either pillars or caterpillars. Pillars that hold up the church or caterpillars that just crawl in and out every week. What are we? Are we a pillar or a caterpillar? But you know, God wants us to do everything we can do to be there so that Jesus can build the church. He's the builder. I'll certainly be available as any good stone would be. I'll be, I don't want to have a bunch of dirt on me that he has to keep knocking off. I want to be a ready stone. I want to be ready for that wall to be built. God wants us to do something and he wants us to be obedient. And that's really what I'm simply saying. Let's be obedient, God-fearing, faithful church members and say, this year I'm going to be a part of that wall. I may not have all the skills and I may not be able to play an instrument or sing like these folks or teach or preach, but I want to be faithful. The great uh, Christian author Howard Hendricks, an amazing communicator, one of the most amazing communicators I've ever heard, shared how that at their church in Dallas, they were in desperate need of a person to teach a junior high boys class. They asked different people. Nobody really seemed to be available. And they finally came down on their list to one final person. And when Howard Hendricks looked at that person, he thought, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that's the only one that we have left. You've got to be kidding. But they really needed somebody to teach that class. And so they went ahead and asked him. And he said later, I could not have been more wrong about that young man. He said he took that class and did amazing things with it. In fact, he did so many good things with that class, and it grew so good. Finally, Howard Hendricks asked that young man to come to lunch, and he sat him down after lunch and said, you have got to tell me, how in the world did you turn this class around? How have you accomplished so many amazing things with your class? Junior high boys. Well, this young man said, I'll tell you. And so he pulled out a little booklet, and he flipped the pages. On each page, he had a picture of the young man, and he had his name, and he had the different needs of that young man. He said, you know, every day I pray for each of these young men, and I pray for them specifically that God would do a great work in their life. And I pray over these, and I pray that God will make them mighty men of God. Howard Hendricks just shook his head and he said, young man, you are amazing. God bless people like that, that in our weakness, you know, I may not be able to do what others can do, but I can pray and I can make a difference. Here is a little exercise I want to ask us in light of what we're talking about this morning. And that is this, what kind of a church would my church be if every church member were just like me? What kind of a church would the home church be if every member was just like you? Would there be any serving going on behind the scenes? Would there be a nursery program or a children's program? Would there be offerings? Would there be tithes or just tips? Could we ever afford new missionaries? Could we finish the new worship building? 
there was, I read the wonderful true story of a church treasurer who resigned, and he uh, wanted to replace himself, and so he asked the local grain elevator manager to take the position. The grain elevator manager, who was well-known businessman in the area, Christian, godly Christian, agreed, but he said under one condition, and that is this, I would like to ask that there be no treasurer's report required of me for one year. Kind of an unusual statement, really, but because he was such a trusted and honest man, they said, well, fine, if that's fine, we can, we can live with that. And so he did it, accepted it. One year later, he came and gave the report. The church indebtedness of 228000 paid off. The minister's salary increased 8%. Missions giving doubled. No outstanding bills and a cash surplus balance of over $10,000. Everybody was shocked. They were just amazed. They said, how in the world were you able to turn this thing around? He kind of coyly and quietly answered. He said, well, he said, you know, most of you bring your grain to my elevator. And he said, throughout the year, I simply withheld 10% of your profits and gave it to the church in your name. And he said, you didn't even miss it. And he said, look what happened when all of our church was giving 10%. And folks, you know, if simply everybody gave, I mean, you could not believe what would happen. And that's the question I asked this morning. Again, what would happen if every church member were just like me? What would happen? Would everybody read their Bible daily? Would it be a praying church? Would ever, anybody ever come to the altar? Would invite, visitors ever be invited? Would there ever be a hallelujah or a praise the Lord or a warm amen in the services? What would happen if everybody was just like me? If everybody was just like you, could we cancel churches, services, save a lot of money on the PG&E, maybe just have church every other week because everybody's just like you or maybe even less, you know? For Christmas and holidays, that's all we'd have to open the church up. What if every member made sports and hobbies, activities the same priority as you do? Would we have a church? Are you willing to sacrifice your sleeping in for God and for His church, or at least to do your sleeping in church, amen? I mean, at least do that. One pastor, while he was preaching, noticed that, frankly, most of his congregation was asleep. And so in the middle of the sermon, he stopped the sermon and he asked a deacon to pass the offering plate. The deacon woke up red-faced and reminded him that the offering had already been taken. The pastor said, never mind, we're going to take another one because I intend to make them pay for lodging just as the, all the food we already gave them. And by the time the second offering was taken up, everybody was wide awake for sure. But seriously, what would happen if everybody was a cookie cutter of me in the church? What kind of online posts would be over the internet? Would your church be a drinking church, a dope smoking church, a porn looking church? What 
kind of a church would we have if everybody was just like you? You'd say, well, I'm not the whole church, but we are one stone in the wall. And that one stone is ready for Jesus to build. It's important. We can't say, well, I'm just one person. No, we are the church. If everyone were just like me, would our church be depressed? Would it be bitter? Would it be energetic and enthusiastic? Or would it be doubtful? Would a church, if it was just like you, would it be a singing church? Or would it be a dead church? Would hospital visits ever take place? Would people ever be invited? Chuck Colson, you may remember him from Richard Nixon era, but became a Christian and an amazing author. Chuck Colson, in one of his books, made an interesting observation that when the communists took over Russia in the early 1900s, they did not make Christianity illegal, so contrary to what some think. But what he did say was, you can never do anything to serve. I mean, you you can have your little meetings, but you can never evangelize. You can never teach out in the public. You can never visit the poor. You can never give. And so he robbed the church of its serving, but said, just meet together and just talk. And in 70 years, the church in Russia became nothing. And that's because when you take away the church's heart of serving, then you've basically taken away what the church is all about. And that's what happens when you and I don't serve the Lord. What kind of a church would it be if every member were just like me? There are three things I ask of you in this coming year. One is to give. It is a simple reality. We cannot reach without giving. We just can't. I wish it was different than that, but it's not. Number two, I ask us to go, get out of our comfort zone, take invitations. Every time we have one of our big events and other times, just invite people. I remind you, everybody out there is looking for a sign from God, and that little invitation is just their sign. This is meant to be. Give and go, and then number three, to glorify, because when we pray, God gets all the credit for what's done. It's been said that 10% of church members cannot be found. 20% of church members never attend church. 25% admit they never pray. 35% admit that they do not read their Bibles. 40% admit that they never contribute tithes. 60% never give to missions. 70% never assume responsibility in the church. 85% never invite anyone to church. And 95% of people have never won one soul to Christ. But strangely, 100% of the church members expect to go to heaven. I wonder what would happen if we decided, yes, I'm going to build the church that Jesus is building. Folks, it is a great privilege to be part of a great church like this. But I will tell you, we must never take it for granted. I'm telling you, it is amazing how quick things could deteriorate. Amazing how that someday someone would drive by, like I've seen churches, and see just weeds in the parking lot and an empty parking lot and signs hanging down and a building in disrepair. It could happen in a, 
in months if we weren't faithful, if we weren't serving, if we weren't giving, if we weren't there to be part of that spiritual wall that Jesus is building. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the gospel. Striving together, that's the word, and that's all I ask. I'm just one stone, but I am one stone. I ask again, if everybody in the church was just like you, what kind of a church would we have? You can't be everybody, but you can be that one church member, that one that is just such a, a blessing to the kingdom of God. You can't be anybody else. I'm not asking you to be. All I'm just simply asking is, I want to be faithful. I just want to be a giver. I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to do what I can do for the kingdom of God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed.